Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to part two of episode 23 uh, with me uh, being interviewed by Sam. So uh, if you've just tuned into this one, go and listen to part one because otherwise you'd be really confused again. Um... So we've split this up into two parts because uh, quite a few people have said that, that uh, when you have a two and a half hour, three hour podcast, um, the file size is massive. So we split this into two. Um, the The first part is all about kind of uh, the very long way around that I got into architecture. And then part two uh, is all about kind of what parts of architecture I love and, what, and why I love them. And it, uh, it's it's been really it's quite therapeutic talking about yourself uh and it's been great to sit down and just really really think about why i did so um uh, a bit a big kind of key message that um came across in this is, is like mentors um uh there's a kind of three people that stand out there's uh, nicola gerber who is my tutor in nottingham who was amazing uh and she was just fantastic and then uh when i left my part one uh, i then worked with a guy called carl holloway who ran his own studio holloway foo in birmingham and uh, he was incredibly inspirational. And then when I came to make, and someone I still see a lot, uh, was kind of one of my bosses called Rob Hall. Again, I've realized that kind of through my life, it's all about kind of inspirational people who inspire you to kind of be way better than you are now. So um, yeah, I really, really hope you enjoy the podcast and listen to the end. Uh, and there is one small mistake that I say. Uh, I say there's a book called Flotsam and Jetsam. It's not, it's called Urban Flotsam. And it's amazing. It changed my life. Uh, so yeah, I really hope you enjoy it uh, and listen to the end to hear me talk more. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so part two. Um, so what I was going to say was the part one architecture course is uh, your first year you just need to get a pass and it doesn't account to the rest of your grade. So as long as you get above 40%, you're through, you're yeah. into the second year and your second and third year account to your overall grade. So you just wipe the slate clean. First year didn't exist as long as you pass. Yeah. And then second year is 30% of your mark yeah. is whatever you get in second year. Yeah. So first year I scraped through, got like 41% or something, <laughs> <laughs> had the best year ever. Uh, and then, but creatively felt totally pointless. I, I feel like they do set up degrees in that way though not yeah. because well it, it, honest, I, I don't think like, people have thought like oh they're all going to go and get pissed let's scrap the first year yeah yeah and yeah, then yeah, let yeah, them yeah. just get drunk as hell yeah. and then the second and third year they can actually do some work because i don't think it's actually yeah. like, i think it's almost in a way that 
first year, let's just set it up so we can feed them everything. Yeah. A, a drop of everything. They can fail at everything. Yeah, and that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the second and the third year, because obviously there's only three years for me. Yeah. That's when like, you've got to kind of start to understand yeah. it and put every Like the second year is when you start to... Mm understand things a little yeah. bit more and put it together and actually do research off your own back rather than being told yeah, yeah, where to yeah. research. And the third year is literally like, is a couple of briefs. You've got to do, go and do it all and yeah. be interested in it all and do it well. Yeah, no, I totally... And yeah. and I think, like, while people bemoan universities, oh, like, it's just, you know, what a waste of money. Like, no one's making me drink lots of alcohol in the first year. Like, that's my choice, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, so... But I just, I like, architecture just seemed like this limitless course. Every direction I went in was like walking into a desert of information and, like, just, a, like, these amazing things. But, like, I, I could never find the end of anything. So I was like, well, right, well, I'm going to research concrete. And you just keep going and going and going. And then they'd be like, what about metal? And you're like oh, yeah, I'll go and look into it. What, do you even know anything about glass? And you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to glass. And like, what about structural engineering? Like, we get structural engineers in. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Or, okay, what are your floor-to-ceiling heights? I'm like, what? <laughs> or do you know, like, like how do you hold a building up? Oh, I'm doing architecture. You need to know that. Well, you do, because everything <laughs> about a building is structure, and you're trying to, and it's architecture, and you're like, okay, Right, so how, how are you going to do the structure? And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and like, how are you going to heat your building? Oh, radiators, I don't know. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but they're, they're like, you've just got a massive greenhouse with no way in it's in, and you've chosen a site in Italy in a greenhouse. <laughs> and you're like, right. So it's going to be ridiculously hot. Oh, uh, but it does look nice. Yeah, sure. As a sculpture, it's wonderful. It is mental, isn't it? Because I've always thought, you know, to pin architecture down to something as, as simple as you possibly can, it's in any way you look at it, look at it, it's, it's a glorified way of putting a roof over someone's head. Whether whether mm. it's making a building for uh, like a multi-million billion pound building for a bank or whatever, yeah. or some sort of crazy mental building, or someone's house, all you're doing is putting over a roof over someone's head, yeah. either to work or uh, to live, or to, like some yeah. other social kind of or like interact, or, you know, any other thing that you want to use it for, whether that's sports or whatever. Yeah. Like there's loads of different things, obviously, that you can use it for. But you just—it's—it's it's all about putting a roof over someone's head. In a, and obviously, like it's the funny crazy how it's changed because, like, the culture, like in where, what country you're putting in, you've obviously got to consider that yeah. as well, haven't you? Because yeah, yeah, of the yeah. heat or yeah. the lack of heat or yeah. whatever. But it's funny you say that. Like, it's funny how protective I now feel of architecture. When you say it's putting a roof over your head, I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's right. It's surely. It but it's is. like, I guess, is it not? To me, architecture is not just buildings. Like, well, for me personally, I love landscaping as much as architecture. Yeah. I mean... But the end goal is to put a roof over someone's head. One, I'm going to make you say it. No. <laughs> like, the end goal is to just make someone experience something through architecture. That doesn't need to be a roof. I mean, there's an amazing Jewish war memorial in, in Berlin, and it's by an architect or like... Oh, okay. And, uh, and... Yeah, I've seen that. That is... And the museum is mind-blowing. Yeah. So the... Okay, so the, this is... this. Bearing in mind, this is still in my third year, and I'm just starting to, like... That, that room. Embrace and enjoy Sorry. architecture. And as you said, it's just... It's a roof. Like, that was kind of always my fault. It's just a roof for people to be in. Yeah. And it's really funny that you've you've described it like that, because that's... The, the thing I was fighting against... Yeah. ...was I, I didn't want to just design a room. I wanted to design something for people to experience... 
Yeah, as but, soon as you said that Jewish movie, I've kind of yeah. realized that it actually And it's isn't. like, it's like, for, for, the, the, for me, the thing I cling on to is the idea that you can surprise and uh, make people excited about going into a building. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so one of the things I struggle with on, at Make is that just the, the speed at which buildings go up. Mm-hmm. And the whole process is that you labor over every point to the point where you kind of lose a bit of perspective. And then it's only with hindsight after the building's finished, you look back a year later, you're like, Ah, oh, okay, I get it. And it's like, and you can't really surprise people on the scale of projects that we're doing. Like, it's in the press. It takes ages to get built. The scaffolding up. You slowly watch the structure come up. Then the cladding, and then yeah. it fills up. And then even then, for a year, nobody's in it. And then by the time it's finished, and the people are in there, like, yeah, yeah, we've seen it. It's like you you lose that sense of surprise, which I loved. Yeah. But so a lot of like the buildings that I liked. So the the very second year project that I really enjoyed, uh, I created these, it's called the Cube Cave, and it was like, you had to design something about the history of Nottingham. I did these cubes that were completely black on the outside, yeah. and they would open, and it was literally like a spaceship. It seems funny now. It would open, you'd go in, and the idea was it would close, and it would only open again five minutes later, so you were stuck in this little room. <laughs> and each one was modular on the inside, so some of them were all plasma screens, some of them had information, but the idea was like a cave, like once you're in, you, you know, you had to wait, like get out or whatever, but it was the idea that you could intrigue people they didn't know what was in it yeah. they want to go in and then you've you've got their undivided attention a bit like a film which is why I like so i did like an animation for how it would open and close all the engineering and stuff and again they were like it's it is architecture but it's like you're you're talking about the experience but the actual architecture is very simple but surely that isn't that so I was Isn't kind of that the point, though. Well, I was more doing interactive displays, so they they've always been a bit like. But architecture is like yeah. the architectural point is involved. Well, again, involved, this it? is that grey area, right? Like Jason Bruges does interactive architecture, so he does these interactive displays, and they're they're walls. Like uh, my tutor, like that's a wall. It's just a wall that does something clever. Like if you turn the electricity off, it's just a wall. I was like, no, no, but it's got sensors on. As people walk past, it's like, and there's all these like cool. It follows their things. They're like, yeah, but from an architectural point of view, mm-hmm. your elevation and your section are just a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all you're doing is photoshopping on, like stuff. And I know you're enthusiastic, and it would be amazing. <laughs> but like in terms of actual architecture, like you need to design a thing that's a roof over your head. You know, yeah. like how do you heat and cool, protect that space? Like, how does the, how do you get in? Like, how do you move through it? What happens if there's a fire? Yeah. Like, how do you structurally support it? Do you want to show the structure? Yeah. Do you want to play with the structure? Do you want it to be unusual so people can't understand how it stands up? That's the playful side of it. So I always liked playing with that. So mega cantilevers, you know, so people, it would feel like it was going to fall down on them. So see, you'd, yeah. like, kind of create an emotional response by using structure and scale and color. Like, so... I did this nightclub in first year called Silhouette where only the lights were only the walls. And so everyone that walked past this wall was a silhouette because obviously it would like blind you into just seeing the shapes and stuff. <laughs> but like the branding of it was more important to me and that wall than the rest of the architecture. I was like, it's just a bar. There's a bar. You go in the bar. But no, no, this wall, like this wall is a silhouette, right? So at night you're silhouetted against night. So I'd done all this photo and they were like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But it's like turn all the electricity off or turn the lights off in the middle of the day it's just it's just four rooms and I but I was like no but like it's an experience so I kind of really struggled with this for ages because I just I didn't understand that you could play with structure play with colour and material do you like, wish you could go back knowing what you do now no no I don't because I, I kind of I don't think I'd change anything if I could go back I think like that pace it just takes me I like a long I, I like to test stuff 
by doing everything and then the only way is the right <laughs> way it's a really stupid way to do it but then so like in third year literally as I'm just being given that book mm-hmm. we go to Berlin and I go to the Jewish War Museum the Daniel Liebskin building yeah and he uses floors off angle that room when and you're you like in- and you're like if you like it's it's weird but you're not 100 percent sure because the display cabinets are slight you just feel a bit ill like you're on a like and then you see this horrible imagery whilst also being like slightly tilted on one side and then you go into a room and it's really tall and there's that, this tiny the, little like light well at the top and you just that's unbelievable that room yeah. though, isn't it the feeling that you get oh because i was in there alone yeah. everyone walked out when i walked in yeah because it's like it's almost like a fire exit doors yeah, 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 like, yeah and i walked in and i said like, shit this 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 it felt so daunting yeah and so intimidating and so alone yeah and like trapped in a box that it was it was the first time well not the first time but one of the times that i can really remember architecture affecting my emotion yeah so much in a way to try and make me feel like a person back in that time yeah that it, i just blew my mind and the, <laughs> the funniest yeah. part of that that building we we were walking around um Walking around it, and we like, and we could hear what we thought was uh, plates and cups like bashing around. Yeah, I was like, "What's what's 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 over there?" Oh, it's just a coffee shop. I can't be bothered with that. We won't go over there. I was like, "No, but it's too. If that's plates and cups, they should have smashed them by now." I'm going to go and have a look. Idiot. Why? It's in a coffee shop. Don't bother. (laughs) Oh no. Right, fine. Whatever. I'm going to walk. I'm going down this way because if I don't. I'm going to regret it. Walk down it and it's that room with all the faces on it. I just look, oh my God, yeah. that's incredible. Like just the way that it, like the noise yeah. was manipulated. Because it was quite far away that I heard that. Mm. And the way that, you know, you thought it was something else, but actually it's something completely different. Yeah. It was just, you know what I mean? You know the room yeah, I mean? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But uh, so like the reason I was blown away by that building was there were, there were interactive displays in there, things that kind of tricked your eye or whatever. Yeah. But actually, my my overwhelming feeling was these like really aggressive shards, you know, like yeah. these driving sharp lines that were like looming over and you. And walking then, through, you'd never think it was like a box shape, you know, like it's quite square. Is it? Quite no, square? it's like zigzag. Oh, like yeah. it's mental no, it when you yeah, see yeah. it in plan. It's like, yeah. and then you go outside and you've got these looming, oppressive like black sculptures. I think you can get on top of, but but so like you, you can kind of hear people having fun, but you're actually you're seeing these really like really. Yeah grand and overwhelming things and i was like so bearing in mind after like three years of just not getting it mm-hmm. i was like ah, <laughs> what an amazing way to play with scale just by using concrete and inverting yeah. shapes and making stuff 20 times higher than a person i kind of understood scale and concrete and so i kind of just <laughs> i was like ah suddenly <laughs> all my projects just seemed so lame like they were just like oh, I'm such a like little kid in like a tiny little world and I've now just suddenly had my eyes open to it and I felt so stupid. And then we went... Um, but isn't that, a bit, uh, isn't that quite an amazing way to learn that you've been taught yeah. subconsciously, not subconsciously, but kind of in an f- indirect way yeah. by one of... Well, an incredible architect that you've never even met yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, like amazing, he's taught yeah. you something yeah. through just going to one of his buildings. So this kind of became the kind of... This became the first, like, architect... If I'd have done that in first year, I just would have been pissed the entire time, not cared. I wouldn't have paid any attention to it. I'd have been, like, so hungover. I was, but I was ready for it this time. And then and then we went to... Jeez, um, where did we go next? It was incredible. There was this Zaha Hadid 
uh, it's, I think it's like the Wolfberg, Wolfsburg Science Museum or something. Yeah. And it's this like, I don't know if you're familiar with their buildings. They're kind of... I know what they kind of look they're like. like. They're all kind of on a, like a 45 degree. They kind of convey motion. Yeah. It looks like the whole building's racing to zoom off the site or whatever. <laughs> but the they kind of geometry, you're like, there's not a single straight line on it. It's like everything's curved and it's all yeah. made out of concrete. And you've got people skateboarding up the inside and they're jumping off everywhere. And you go in and like the handrails and walkways like zoom around and like... I was, it was irrelevant what was in there. I was just like, oh my God, like how, how does the, the handrail's in the concrete and there's lights <laughs> in the concrete. And I was like, and all the windows are like weird shapes. They're like ev- everything, every piece of geometry tied in with everything else. And I was like, there's not like, so going from an incredibly angular, aggressive building to an incredibly like smooth moving building. I was like, this concrete's amazing. This is amazing. I actually bought a book about concrete. Nerd. <laughs> and then, and then we went to. Have you still got it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course it did. Yeah, it's amazing. I can't remember what it's called though. Um, and then we went to um, Barcelona and I went to the, the no, sorry, the uh, Guggenheim in Bilbao. Yeah. Bilbao, how do you say it? It's like a Frank Gehry one. Or Frank Gehry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he does these crazy buildings. They're like, um, he's kind of pushing the forefront of 3D technology. So he... I'm doing him a massive disjust- injustice, but he scrunches up paper, basically, <laughs> creates these crazy shapes, and then goes, right, that's our building. And then he has this incredible, that's um, a massively doing him injustice. He does amazing stuff, but he then builds all those wavy shapes through 3D and has all the metal fabricators. Actually, they don't make anything. Everything's done by machine, and then it all fits together like a massive Lego set. And it's this wavy building, and it... I looked at it and it was just one massive sculpture with an art gallery in. Yeah. It mental. It wasn't, it didn't have a roof. It does, but it's like the roofs, the walls, the sides. There's a wave at the front, which doesn't have anything to do with the building. It just looks cool. And then it flows <laughs> over and you're like, everything's this weird swooping shape and the structure's mental. Like you have no idea how it stands up. So it's like concrete angular, like concrete smooth, metal, amazing. And then there's, there's this, um, the Casa de Musica in OM, OMA's one in Porto. So we did this like cross Germany to like Spain across into Portugal trip. And it's this massive, if you, do you watch Red Dwarf? Uh, you know Crichton, the robot head. Yeah. Imagine Crichton's head made out of concrete and yeah. it looks like a meteorite. Like if you imagine like Porto, everything's 10 meters high and this is 100 meter high building. It looks like a meteorite. Rustic. A meteorite like, yeah. just gone <laughs> right in the middle of the city. And the, the actual landscaping looks like a shockwave. So it looks like it's been dropped there and the landscaping goes Whoa, as if it's like punched its way into the ground. Oh my God. And it's this mental shape. Like it's a huge opera hall in the middle, but it goes, and I was just like, this is absolutely incredible. This is amazing. I, and I came back and then my tutor, Nicola was just like, just do what, like, just, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I love doing exercise. I just got into exercise, running and cycling and stuff. So I filmed myself sideways with a camera slowed it down and did stop motion so i did like 20 frames or 15 frames a second and drew a stick man on me and then slowly in flight in video and premiere pro like had me swimming or running sorry like running on a treadmill sideways and then i would merge the picture out of me and then i'd just have a stick man running which was like me running and then i overlaid those and like i was like i want to do a sculpture based on someone running and they were like running's boring choose like something more dramatic so i love free running like remember free running is really popular and cool yeah were you one of them people? I used to love, well, I never did it, but like, I love climbing stuff. <laughs> uh, so I was, and it felt like this sense of freedom, right? You just run over the city, like city's yours, your city's your playground. <laughs> so that genuinely became my like, 
But I love free running. Free running, it would like skateboarding, like someone do a skateboard park. That's how cool it felt to me. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is doing like um, a museum or a port for boats with restaurants and galleries in. And then there's me, like total curveball, doing free running. And I've got these amazing evocative images of people like diving over buildings and stuff. And I've like, I learned Photoshop and, you know, you merge. It's funny how you didn't teach yourself a lesson going to all these places in Europe and seeing how you can do, uh, how you can take a museum and do it in such a different way. Yeah. But yet at the same time, you're like, nah, fuck that. I'm just going to do something. But like, I didn't, I didn't understand <laughs> the museum because like uh, being uh, above being, like Zaha's known, right, for her museums yeah. to be more interesting than the stuff in it. Yeah. So you go to the museum as a sculpture yeah, yeah, yeah. just to see her building. Yeah. And like the stuff in it is like, well, yeah, there's a painting there, but like, look at this building. Like <laughs> yeah. it's absolutely yeah. incredible. So she's done these, honestly, they're absolutely gorgeous. But the kind of the critique of them is that what well, you're kind of overwhelming what's in there. Yeah. yeah. So to me, a museum, like if you're going to tr- design a true museum, be a white room with lights on and it would be these grand like entrance ways, but actually the art should speak for itself. The room should be very quiet. Uh, but I wanted to do something cool, right? I wanted to do something cool. So I did free running <laughs> and then I like, I did all those stop motion things of people doing flips and jumps across tables. And then like I did a building where like every second of someone doing a table vault, so their body crumping together and we're going out wide again. I did like, I did like a concrete sculptures. So like, if you imagine the building was like 120 meters long yeah. and it had all this stuff on, uh, it was like a concrete, it was like a playground basically. It didn't have any, it didn't have any windows in. It was just this massive hundred meter long, incredible concrete <laughs> sculpture. And I got like one of the highest marks in the year for it. Cause I was so like, I'd done these amazing renders and like I, I, I put concrete on everything, but then put sp- spray like graffiti all over it in Photoshop. So it looked like this really run down, but spectacularly huge. It was like 50 meters high in the middle and it went along and it was like this idea of motion and people could run and climb over it and it had loads of different things going on inside it. Just, but it was just concrete. Yeah. And I loved it. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay, maybe I can do this. And I got a really high mark that year. And like, it, like everyone loved my project and I got like pretty much the highest mark in my unit. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I think I've got it. And then a little pat on the back. Went to Bailey Garner in Birmingham. That was my first summer placement. Mm-hmm. Have you talking about that? Your that was boring. That <laughs> was that was where I really hit the ground. My yeah. m- blueprints, like one of the best architecture magazines in the yeah. country. Uh, yeah, blueprints, like well known. Yeah, and like, they put my work design. in it. So, really? like in the summer, cool. I was one of two people chosen from our university to have our work put in blueprint. Nice. So I remember being on holiday and getting the phone call from the blueprint editor, going, "Oh, like my tutor, going, your work's in blueprint," and I was like. I made it like finally like feel vindicated and then uh, and then went to work in like Birmingham in like a multidisciplinary practice doing social housing and the the bump that I hit the ground with which I think a lot of people feel is you're a real big deal at uni like you live breathe do architecture and then like yeah we just need to do the uh, fire door rating chart like we need to do a door schedule you're like no I I don't understand my work was in blueprint um <laughs> and they're like yeah great great you yeah, know we do need you to do the just can you just print the drawings out and fold them what yeah you know there's like 150 drawings you've just got the day just three boots <laughs> oh jesus christ <laughs> and i remember thinking oh this is crap <laughs> mm. But then you know you're a nobody. Like you're just like you've just learnt to drive, and then you want to drive like an articulated lorry or something. <laughs> yeah. They're like, 
just uh, build yourself up to it. So, uh, have you heard of a, um, a, 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 a I highly doubt you would have a, a graphic designer called Paula Scher. She tends to, um, she tends to try and do. I know this is doing her a massive disjustice, but she almost tries to do as little graphic, actual graphic design as possible, mm. which is almost a credit to her work. Anyway, because there was, I, think, I can't remember what city it was in, in was it Pennsylvania or something in, in America somewhere. Anyway, but a city that was kind of like all surrounded by going through. Um, uh, through a tunnel of like a bridge or something to mm. actually get into the inner city. And they were asking her to come up with a new, like a badge to, or an emblem to brand the city. And she actually turned around and like, and you said, look, I'm not, I'm not going to design you a logo. I'm not going to do it at all. And she, what she saw was to actually brand or like um, use these tunnels as a way to brand the city and bring museum or like not a museum, but you turn it into like an almost exhibition space or an art space mm. for people to use and change every month. And she just came up with a slideshow that wasn't a slideshow at all. It was just different renders of this, this tunnel would be just changed Ricky. each time. And they totally like the, she, I, I think I remember it right. She was giving the presentation the whole time. Everyone was silent and she's like, Oh shit, it's gone pretty badly. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. And they loved it and they did it. I think they did it. Anyway, but yeah, it's just an amazing way of flipping yeah. graphic design between architecture because obviously a lot of the science are taken into graphic yeah. design. But I think you'd like a lot of this stuff she does because she does a lot of her and obviously a lot of other people. Mm. She tends to do a lot of super graphics yeah. stuff. So applying stuff to buildings and things like that that are really quite interesting. Have you seen the super graphics book in the, uh, the thing done by no. people called Unit? I'll show you it tomorrow. It's okay. really... But what's, you what's, like it. What's, what I think is the best thing about architecture then, uh, the course, is that not only were you learning structures, attempting to learn how to heat and cool a building, uh, originally I made the structure of this thing out of timber and I went to structure engineer and like the look of total just like, what, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like he's yeah. just total look of disappointment. They're like bloody architects. But like <laughs> on top of that, I'd learned video editing like i did a music video for like these like stop go animation things and then you do these books right like so i did these professional books like i literally overwhelmed my tutors with just like information you know like <laughs> books and graphics and like i'd done like you know i obsessed over like photoshop text font like i used indesign premiere pro after effects like i literally i felt like a little like production house basically <laughs> and i loved it like i loved like being able to flip between each one i guess that's kind of again the ethos of the podcast is like they're all things that i've touched on in the past you yeah. know like i'd love to like i love films i love that that idea of being able to surprise people like one of the buildings in germany went to um you went down a pitch black corridor turned again down the corridor and the corridor got super narrow so there's a handrail either side you knew what you were holding on to and it led you into a totally dark room and then it would show this incredibly kind of like weird film but it was just the way that they'd manipulated you so like you were so yeah. hyper aware of your surroundings um but I, 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 I loved all that and then to suddenly go into something that I didn't feel again I was like oh I'm doing something for someone else again now yeah, like to go into a job where do you know what it was? I, I'm thinking back to it. Like it was just that the people there just didn't really care about the project they were on. They just they needed work. Yeah, yeah. they wanted a job. Yeah, and they were doing it. And like, uh, what was interesting was like a a, le a lesson in like 
CAD standards <laughs> uh, is that you do these setting out drawings. So like grid drawings, which every other drawing is based off a grid drawing. So that grid becomes like your master plan for all the other drawings. So like if you're drawing walls across different levels, this grid is like the grid sits behind every one of your drawings. And that right, grid yeah. is the center line of every wall. Yeah. So you always know how a wall lines up from floor to floor without yeah. having to like open every drawing and reference in because you always know that the the kind of glazing support sits exactly on that grid. Like yeah. it doesn't sit a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. It's bang, it's center line is on that. Yeah. So center line of all these things. And then that's how you kind of coordinate massive amounts of information is by having this kind of background of information that you always reference. So yeah, that put, that makes sense, makes some sense that I didn't yeah. actually know before. That's good. Because it's so like, like drawings of like, say if you were if you were designing a really tall building, I always wondered how how like you were saying, I always mm. wondered what you just said. Yeah. but never really understood it or well, even understood yeah, how to yeah. ask the question. Exactly. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, yeah. Just, yeah just it's just a wall sits in a wall sits in a wall, but like everything has to line up. So you start to learn how you lay out like your plans in the middle of a drawing yeah. and then your elevations are drawn each side of the plan. So you just draw lines off the plan and that forms the walls of your elevation, like the sides of the building. Yeah. And then you build up this kind of diagram of information yeah, because I always wondered, seeing big, tall buildings going up around in London, you always see the, am I right in saying it's the lift shaft that goes up first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. everything gets built around it. So I always wondered whether that would be the first thing that you would decide where to go. Yeah. Or like you de- you kind of like design the shape of the building. Yeah. Then it's like, right, where, where do the lifts go? Yeah. Or the stairs go? Yeah. And then everything goes around that. Yeah, it's really funny. It seems like such, like, it seems like such a fundamental question that I'd never even thought that you would even that anyone even contemplate why you wouldn't put that in the middle of the building but yeah. it makes total like but is that right yeah yeah so we're doing a tall building at the moment and but i guess i only really guess that because i've got you. well what you're referencing you're talking about the core at the middle of the building which is essentially the spine of the building so like they you're building a climbing frame up in the air you need something to anchor it on don't you so you yeah. build this like it's primarily it's usually built out of concrete and it's called slip forming and the, the way they do that is they just like imagine a bucket with no top on and yeah. you fill the bucket up then you move the bucket up fill it with more sand yeah, move the bucket yeah, up, and you just yeah. keep going up and up and up yeah. and like you just keep slipping that bucket up and up and up and that's where the, normally the crane sits yeah yeah so one, yeah. They, what they can do is the crane goes up this little sleeve goes up the crane it splits the crane another like a block comes up slides into the crane the crane gets taller yeah. This slides up, slip, like lifts the crane up in two pieces, slots another bit of the crane in, and the crane just kind of gets higher and higher. So this kind of blows my mind a little bit in the way that the shard was built in, because they yeah. went down, and no, they went up in the rate that they went down. Yeah, they? yeah, it's called up top-down construction. So what it means is that um, the hardest part about sites about the shard is that uh, it's like literally how do you get rid of the waste? Like how do you bring steel into the site? Like it's such a constrained site. So by building the ground floor... Did you see that BBC documentary <coughs> on it? No. Is that like a megastructures thing or something? Uh, I think so. It's just a BBC thing about how they built it. And yeah. that's just how I know that they yeah. went down as well as yeah. they went up but, and then it flooded and they were yeah. like, like fucked. And then they had to like sort out the bottom before they could go any further yeah. up. But they got... They got they were going higher quicker than they could go down because yeah. they flooded and then they had to stop going up, which made them lose money. Mm. And then they had to sort out the bottom to then go further up as well. It's quite a gamble. I yeah. mean, everything about construction to calculate a gamble, isn't it? The idea is that if you imagine being on site every day costs you a million pounds, just yeah. for argument's sake, yeah. every day that you can save is a massive saving. So if you can offset the complication of having two construction crews, one yeah. going up, one going down. Yeah. And the reason, like, for example, on the building that we're working on, if it goes ahead, is that... Um, what they might do is to build the basement, 
they might backfill the basement full of soil to stop the sides falling in <clears throat> and then dig down, build another basement level and then build the structure up and then take all the soil out. So it's because essentially if you imagine, imagine like the basement, imagine soil is water yeah. and like your perimeter wall is stopping all that water just flooding, <clears throat> flooding your basement. Yeah. But that water is incredibly heavy and at the moment you've got steel coming like beams going from the edge the kind of the, the edge of the bath <laughs> yeah. coming into the middle yeah. and that that's the core that spine running up is like bridging bracing oh, the right. kind of sides yeah, right yeah, yeah, the yeah. second you take the core out or take any of those beams out yeah. suddenly the whole thing's going to flop in and it's going to fill up with soil yeah. uh, so that it's incredibly dangerous and hard work doing a basement so like 25 30 percent of your budget will just be the basement and then Jesus. no matter how tall the building is um and it's like some projects go ahead without full funding yeah, and they just build the basement assuming that if they're the longer they wait, the market will change or whatever. Like especially the projects we work on in London, they're so big. They're, yeah. They take so much time. Yeah. Economic instability plays like a massive part. Yeah. So for example, I won't say the name of the project in case this isn't as an obvious information, but during the recession, yeah. Um, we worked in a building that actually meant uh, a lot of people lose a lot of money in recessions. But yeah. if you have lots of money, it's a brilliant time to buy stuff because yeah. every, everyone's desperate for work. So they managed to get the steel for the building at like a ridiculously low price. They just like how many tons of steel is in the building. They use our 3D model. They work out how many pieces of steel. Yeah. Let's say a million tons, I don't know, half a million tons. <clears throat> they then go to steel manufacturing in like, know, Mexico or something and say, look, we need a mi- half a million tons of steel. They've got nowhere to sell their steel to. Essentially, they're making no money. And they're like, oh, we'll give it to you for like 50% of the current market rate because we've no one's building. We're in a recession. And they're like, ah, yeah, we don't need it now. We need it in three years' time when we actually get around to using it. But <laughs> sign here and we'll give you the money now. Something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And then in three years' time, they suddenly have this r- ridiculously cheap steel. So yeah, like yeah. a lot of people will purchase things in a recession because people are desperate for work God. so they're, they're kind of throwing a lifeline to people they're also getting a fantastic deal but i think the thing is like if it's your job to save money yeah like if i if your job is to work in a thousand person company and your sole job is like your bonus is how much 10 percent of the money you can save on a project that's your job yeah like there's that's what people's job it's called value engineering on a project so let's say, for example, let me give you a really simple example. <laughs> a skyscraper. Yeah. 40-story skyscraper. <clears throat> we design it, but we have no idea how much it's going to cost. Yeah. We're just drawing lines on a page, right? And we do 3D models and everything. And then you get a... Do you have to... Do you? Is it uh, your responsibility to... Because there's structural engineers that figure out like yeah. your crazy design and they actually make it... like yeah. They make it... Uh, buildable yeah and you know structurally sound and all mm. that kind of thing is there is there separate people involved that or a separate company or or is there like sometimes in-house people that will yeah. figure out the cost <clears throat> of the building yeah for the client itself yeah so if you imagine everything is a risk on a big project it's yeah. one of it's such a risky business to get into <clears throat> and if you imagine let's say you've got a 200 million pound skyscraper yeah an architect's fee might be three, four, five percent of that. Yeah. That's so over the duration of the construction project. So once you've got planning permission, they go, right, we're going to build this project. You agree on a cost of 200 million pounds. 
if you think of the architect's fee of 200 million pounds it's so yeah. small and then inside of that like 0.1 of a percent of the fee might be for someone to work out the cost of something yeah <clears throat> and then they can work out a way to save you even more money like whilst to that person he's getting paid hundreds of thousands of pounds to yeah. just <clears throat> for five years sit on a project and work how much money to save yeah over the lifespan of the project but there's loads of projects that uh, uh we design a building the structural engineer goes the structure's too complicated make that simpler yeah that's his job to make it simpler and cheaper for the client and you're like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. The, what you're suggesting makes our building boring and then the con like the quantity surveyor who just like tells you how much it costs is like, no, he's right. You could save quite a lot of money here. You've got two people <clears throat> arguing against saving it. And then it's your job to try and explain to the client, you could save money, but it will look worse. Yeah. And then the client decides whether he cares about how it looks. Yeah. And whether he wants to save the money. Oh my God. So, but do you know what as as I get further and further on in these bigger projects and you you are in those meetings and you understand everyone's point of view it makes yeah, those yeah. decisions so much more understandable yeah it's when you're just doing CAD work and the only thing you hear is oh we're changing the whole design to make it cheaper you're like oh what yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean luckily that hasn't happened to me because um, you know we just worked on really prestigious projects at make but um, I know during the recession I can't imagine I, I, well I I imagine that uh, sometimes there must be projects out there where you're doing all the talking between people because yeah. certain people won't talk to each other. Yeah. And that just, that must be absolutely chaotic. Do you know what I find fascinating is that that's a skill. That yeah. is a massive skill because you think... Do you learn any of that? Like, do they, do they uh, encourage learning any of that or somehow learning any of that at university? Like the managing of people and stuff i think you just well you kind of learn through osmosis just by watching other people do yeah. things but um uh, so what was i going to say yeah so i was going to say about personalities and then i'll get i'll get on to working in groups because i think that's really important mm -hmm. um and pro probably why i got a job here actually was um <clears throat> uh if you imagine uh you've got a massive developer one of the biggest developers in the country yeah. and then you've got make or fosters or richard rogers or oma biggest architecture practice in the country yeah you just think when those two things get together that that they're just two huge corporations they're huge companies they'll yeah. just work together but actually it all comes down to a room with like two or three people in and yeah. genuinely yeah. if you piss them off yeah. they're just not going to work with you yeah yeah and it's i think i find that a made like a 200 million pound building can rest on you being a dick in a meeting or not yeah like if you think like a the, it, at the beginning it's so fragile yeah you're doing kind of work for free, but not for free. You know, you may do a competition for like £10,000 or you might win it. Yeah. And then there's a little bit like, oh, we've got this plot of land. Like, what can we do with it? Yeah. Like, well, you could put a skyscraper, you could put a hotel, you could put a restaurant. <laughs> uh, they, they would decide that, but they would want to know like, okay, well, we think we can put a tall building on there. Like, how tall can it be? Yeah. But it's like, if you're, if you just had to go on holiday for a week and just didn't check your emails for a week, and didn't tell anyone, then they may not go with you again. They may yeah. just go, well, you're, you're too unreliable. Or you decide to, no, I'm going to stand my ground. No, this is the design you're having. They're like, right, we're going to another architect. You're like... Well, it's even more oh. fickle with that. <clears throat> that that's, that's exactly how it is in graphic design. But yeah. Oh, it's way more extreme in graphic design, I would say, that fickleness. so cutthroat. Like, it may not be, like, it could be a couple of minutes. Well, yeah. not minutes, that's rubbish. But, you know, hours, if you, like... So if you miss a print run or mm. something like that, you're like you're out. 
it's just it's unbelievable I, I notice how cutthroat it is in architecture with like you have to you know protecting and looking yeah. after the people rightly so mm. and rightly so in any in any um you know job like this where yeah. you have to look up and you're doing work for them but but what i like i was just, like i think i sometimes like talk well, even, about it's even something sorry it's like even sometimes with your like mates and stuff when you say to them like oh yeah, yeah like build a website or whatever or do some birding for someone yeah. and uh, and and you know like and things suddenly get in your reputation yourself even though because sometimes work a lot of the time can come from friends even more so mm. with graphic design and your reputation is ditched yeah. between friends and that goes to their friends and then their friends their parents their friends and they know like companies or whatever that need graphic design and then you just you know yeah. you're not that that's ever happened to me like, yeah, but, like no. it, your reputation is so and it's the same again and it, i always with my lecturers back in Portsmouth, it's funny, I have a running joke of relating graphic design back to plumbing. And there is so many similarities. Mm -hmm. It's Yeah, it's, reputation, I guess. Well, yeah, it? it is. And it's all about reputation. And the, I'd say the reputation, I know this is more about architecture, but the your reputation in um, graphic design and plumbing mm. is so fragile that you just have to nurture that thing so much yeah but i guess as, as much as you you almost like from what i've seen in architecture it's more about making sure that you have the right personality that because mm. you know, you're representing a company aren't you so yeah. it's well it's funny when i was um when i did my part two and when i applied to make i told you just don't be a dick isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, it's amazing how far that gets you yeah. just if you're happy enthusiastic work hard and not a dick like those are like great career advice right someone, there, isn't it? So, so a lecturer told me that and uh, i was at an award ceremony and it was a lecturer that left in the second year and we were talking about design and stuff and a little bit drunk whatever and jesus said the, look, the, the most important thing is just not to be a dick yeah like it's like you, you know what to do now you know you you know how to be a graphic designer you know yeah. how to work it just be a nice person mm. don't be one of those persons and be a dick because it's just it'll ruin you and it, and Hashtag that's Hashtag don't be a dick it's stuck it, yeah but it what's funny is like um stuck I, with me. you've worked to make now so you're you're just as part of this statement as as everyone but this idea that uh, make the people at Make have a certain personality type because <clears throat> we're just a really nice company to work at. And I think when I was about, when I told someone I got a job placement, a job offer at Make, uh, my tutor was like, she used to work in recruitment and was like, you'd fit right in at Make. That, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like she knew me. Mm -hmm. And I think if you, you know what you were saying? Because I don't know, I don't really, I can't, as much as I know a lot of graphic design students yeah. and how big they are, I've never really understood how big Make is. Are we big? I don't know. I, in the architecture world, we're like we're quite big. I, mean, I think we're probably in the top like five or six or something in really? terms of size. Yeah, in in the UK, yeah. Holy smokes! There's massive big, ones. I mean, it? or yeah. maybe we're definitely in the top ten. Um, yeah. But we're cool. But it's like um, I guess you you know you're saying about it being fickle. Yeah. Like um, a lot of makes selling points are they're very fragile to maintain yeah. and we've worked really hard on them. Yeah. And they've, they are so fragile. It does fragile. seem to have an amazing reputation. Yeah. But like, so like we don't say we have a house style, but in the same way we don't have job titles inside a make, there are obviously invisible job roles. There has to be for a project. Like as well, you can't work with the master developer until, unless you say exactly who's the job architect, who's the project architect, who's the, yeah. Who's the yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you have to assign those roles inside. But the point yeah. is like, 
you have to operate in that role to be that role. You don't yeah, just get given it. it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So in the same way we don't have a house style, yeah. we do. It's just, it's flexible. Yeah. Like we will work with a client to produce amazing architecture that yeah. is obviously we have things that we like the look of and, and everyone sees everyone's projects yeah, yeah exactly so as much as you know yeah. especially when the, the the bigger the projects get the fewer they are the more they stand out and it's mm-hmm. like you can say you don't have a, like a house style but then you've done four mega projects and they're like four very distinct shapes yeah suddenly everything kind of fits between those boundaries right yeah. suddenly like we start to use more stainless steel and glass and solidity and stuff and it's like <clears throat> but they're like they're they're not unusual in the architecture profession. Like there are other amazing architecture practices. I guess we're, mm-hmm. it's just, I feel at make, it's even being low down or like working my way up that I feel like I have a voice inside of make, which yeah. I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, like warring against it at the beginning, like I, I didn't understand yeah. big projects. Like I went from being my own boss, working in little teams or on my own yeah, to suddenly being in the biggest project that make had ever done. Yeah. And I was like, and not not knowing the history of the project, not going to the client meetings, and like this was the reality. Like oh, again, because I because I felt like it wasn't I wasn't listened to. It was like, but you were just producing work at a very high rate, very very hard work, very like long hours. Yeah. But you don't understand how much you're learning when you're under stress. Like it's yeah. just like oh, just blindly throwing the tracks down in front of the train. Like oh, Jesus Christ! You see now all I think about. Yeah. So I imagine. Yeah, and then you look back and you think, Jesus Christ, that was that was amazing. That you know you're able to operate at that that capacity. Like yeah. that wasn't that was that's not normal to. Yeah. Normally I do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, and to suddenly yeah. be forced to work within very tight boundaries. And then you suddenly understand why they're there. And you're like, I get it now. And it's like, (laughs) but again, it was like the tutoring, like the like university, like it took me a long time to fight against it. And Mm -hmm. then to suddenly go, oh, John, this is actually really good. (laughs) Like, I kind of get it now. Because again, you know, going back to teams and working in teams, such a good point. Like Mm -hmm. if you can't work in a team, you're not, you're going to hate working in a big practice. Yeah. I think as long as you, like I, some people just, I like, some people are just natural born leaders and they don't work well in a team. And that's fine. I think I think some people they're incredibly clever. Yeah. But they may not be able to just like convey that. Yeah. Because essentially like you can be the best architect in the world, but if you suddenly need to do three architects jobs, you need to like um delegate delegate that work to other people and suddenly the process of having to explain to other people not just how they would do it, but how you want it done. Yeah especially on a practice of this scale and you're especially with graphics you're trying to in, like you're trying to do graphic styles across a whole practice yeah you then have to like literally give bullet point way and you're trying to, you want it to be fun and enjoyable for everyone to do but it's like it's hard and it's the same with architecture it's like i, look, I don't have time to mess around helping you i just want to get on doing it myself <laughs> but essentially like you have to be good at that to to work and i'm i'm just starting to learn that it's hard yeah but it's like a different skill. Like you can suddenly achieve so much more than you can on your own. Yeah. But it's not exactly how you would have done it. But eventually you start to trust the people around you that while it's not exactly how you would have done it, it's yeah. actually just as good. It's just not, it's just not exactly you. Yeah. You have to kind of give up that like maximum control thing, which yeah. you just, you can't not, I'm not being an arrogant dickhead. and just saying like, at uni, you have to believe in yourself so totally to present in front of 50 people. Yeah, exactly. This is my project. This I'm pinning all my university hopes <laughs> on this project. Like you have to like build up a certain like tolerance of like arrogance, I guess. But um, so I only worked in 
on my own in part one and then you do a year out so you have to do a part one which is three years yeah or four and then you do a year out and then you do another two years back at university mm-hmm. and then that's your part two yeah and then you have to do a master's or a degree or whatever they want to call it it's like a law conversion at the end and this is where what i mean by the um that you can only call yourself an architect after yeah. that can't you and it's the only industry within the created mm. side of things that is protected in that way it's which for, I think it's, is amazing it's for good reason as well because essentially you could design a building that could kill someone like you could quite easily design a building that falls down and once you suddenly start to put those security gates in place to yeah. stop that from happening actually you have to go fully up the chain of command you know yet you can't like yeah because it's not like I'm going to design a book so yeah like you have to be <laughs> legally responsible for something otherwise yeah. you know like me and you could design a house to someone it falls down you're like whoa well, I didn't tell them to build like that like you know <laughs> but you, then you have to you have to there, put some safeguards in place don't you isn't there do you decide on how long is it you're in your contract no, yeah how, how do you put that in a contract with that building or is yeah, that yeah, yeah, open yeah. to discussion no, no, how re- long you look after that's that building that's a really really good point built. you can there's legally, there's two different options. We were just talking about it. So like people in the office doing their part three, mm-hmm. which is your, you know, your law bit at the end, they're suddenly the most knowledgeable people and they remember all these things because um, it's, it's called like a deed and it's either underhand and, or overhand. I can't remember what it is, but there's six years or 12 years. Mm-hmm. So in the do same way pay, that... You, do you get paid to look after it as well? Or no, you, it? you have to pay for PI insurance. The same way you have a car, you have to insure your car while it's on the road. Yeah. Imagine if you had a car... And you had to, or you had to insure it for six years. Yeah. And someone else is driving it, basically. But what if it's <clears> only <throat> small things like what? No, everything? Well, it it all it's, it's all contractual. Like you can do. But like so, like so, the difference between like, uh, so you've built a building and a room, a couple of rooms isn't working. They want to reconfigure it, but it's kind of almost it's not your fault. But they're, you know, it just didn't work for the mm. way that they were work- they were operating. So well, yeah, that yeah. whole thing had to be redesigned. Do you get paid yeah. then for that, or is that something that you negotiate to then try and figure out? I'm just, I guess, I'm just trying to figure out what happens when when a building's done. That yeah. do you, what happens with that? Do you, is well, there when a, a building like, take a role for, for a it? building to be done? It's called practical completion. It's practically complete. It's not perfect. A building's yeah. never perfect. No, of course, yeah, it's yeah. practically. But it's 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 an interesting. So like, it's almost like an architecture caretaker role of like yeah. that building, like looking after it as an architect. Yeah. But it's funny because any architects will like understand that there's it's a very specific wording. It's practically complete. But the point is, you you have to sign it with the client yeah. that you're both happy. It's done. Yeah. And then following on from that, if they want to change the design, they can go to any architect or they can come to you. They'll probably come to you because you're familiar with the building. And yeah. if you, sometimes you just won't have a very good relationship with the client at the end. Yeah. I was talking to someone, and if you think about dentists, doctors, architects, lawyers, you go to lawyers and doctors in a, in a, in a point of total desperation. Uh-huh. Like you go to them for that last bit of help. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's a point of pessimism whereas you go to an architect in a state of optimism like I've got half a million pounds I'm going to do a house <laughs> and they're like whoa whoa come down right so 20%, <laughs> yeah. if it's an extension 20% that goes to VAT and they're like oh and our fees are typically around 10 to 15% depending on how complicated it is so you've actually only got like 65% of what you just talked about and you're like oh <laughs> or have I done really bad maths no 65% uh, and they're like oh yeah and then actually you know, what do you want? Oh, I want a five-story extension. Oh, well, okay, I'll design that. Okay, that's going to cost a million pounds. Oh, <laughs> what can I get for 300, like 600, whatever money I've got? And they're like, well, we can give you this. 
I don't want that though. Okay, fine, but I want these lights in it. Well, you've only got like 10 grand to fit out the whole thing. And they're like, oh. And then they have to live in a building site for the next year and a half. And then they find a manhole cover in their back garden and you have to pay an extra 20,000 pounds to have it moved. And that knocks on an extra six weeks. And you're like, it's like, even as an architect, the, sh- the sheer complicated and like how, how long it goes on for, it's surprising. I've just done up my own house and it, mm-hmm. like, that's a really important thing for an architect to do because it suddenly makes you so conscious of money, time, yeah. how well you explain to builders. And I bet those things that you're going through, I bet you're like, if you if you knew that at uni, yeah. you'd be like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, as well, like you don't care at uni. You want to like, you want to do the most amazing, crazy building. You don't care about like the yeah. law side of it. Yeah. But then when you do it yourself, you're like, yeah, I really should have paid more attention to the law side of things. <laughs> so for example, like uh, they call it um, defects liability period. So even when you've signed off the building, mm-hmm old Gary the builder could have just fudged the wall together like <laughs> just held it up until he came in the room like leaning against it yeah so we're done can you just uh, sign here yeah we're all good uh, run away and the next day it all falls down like they you know that would totally happen but so, they have insurance as well and you well they sign up to a defects liability period where you, you say the building was £100,000 yeah. the extension or whatever you would hold back five grand. Yeah, uh, and then like I can't remember exactly. It depends on contracts and I'm probably getting it wrong, but for a year, so for a full season, yeah, like timber buildings or anything we render or plaster, anything wet plaster, yeah. like wet plaster in our living room is still drying after six months. Like it's like not drying, but it like, it dries to a certain level in winter. And then in the summer, it, the whole house heats up and suddenly the, the, the plaster just shrinks just that little bit more. And, it's called day joint. So like in a day, the guys may do half a room. They come back the next day, they yeah. carry on plastering. And that, yeah, that yeah. point where they overlap, yeah. you'll get a little, like a tiny little hairline crack that goes up the yeah. wall. And then if you've got plasterboard walls touching a wall, just the, the very tip of where it meets the ceiling, if the door slams a lot, is cracked. Yeah. Or suddenly, like we've got decking outside in our garden. Yeah. And in the, the heat of the summer, oh, it's like a full sun trap. It was laid in winter. Yeah. It's pressure treated. I checked it all. But it's shrinking. I can suddenly see between them. And I was like, I couldn't see that in winter. And they're like, well, it'll expand again in winter. So, <clears throat> but there's so many little things. And it's just like, that's not really what I wanted to do when I signed up to my Zaha and crazy buildings <laughs> yeah. thing. But I now kind of like enjoy that side more. Whereas before yeah. it was just blind panic. Like you're legally yeah. responsible for building for six years. <gasps> I have PI co- insurance. <gasps> oh my God. Like, you know, you suddenly check every drawing 10 times when you're doing setting out. Like on Broadgate, you know, you're doing like just the roof alone was 20 million quid. So I was fresh out of uni. Just the structure and cladding was 20 million quid. And you're like, doesn't anyone else? No, Ben, you know, you're working with the contractors. You know, it's fine. But... What, are you confident, Ben? Well, you know, as confident as I can be. <laughs> and then, like, the, the, you see this massive 100-meter-high crane, like one of five in the country, raising up, like, a piece of steel that's, like, this is the weight of an articulated lorry. And it's, like, the key bit of all the structure. And you're like, oh, shit, that's right. <laughs> it's in, it's in! <laughs> or if, you know, they're craning up, like, a generator or something up on the roof, you're like, oh, God, I hope that. Or I did all the waterproofing. when it, We had that... It's called like a, you design for the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. So you design it not for normal rain, but a one in a hundred year storm. So they go yeah. back a hundred years and find out the worst storm they've ever had. <laughs> and then you design it for that rain load. And I'm like, well, how much rain's that? And you have to work out how much rain is on the roof and if the structure can take a swimming pool of water on the oh roof. My God. And then it, we had that hundred year storm. Like we had the worst winter ever when they were designing it and it didn't leak. I was like, 
lot. <laughs> oh my god! So but that's what I was saying about that's that's the thing when you know it's a job uh, or a, a career that you found one that you like because you've not you've got to a headache, but mm. it's like it's not that you've just stumbled your way through the headache. You've actually enjoyed the headache. Yeah, yeah. Have I enjoyed it? It's interesting. It's like. <laughs> It's like I never feel like I'm getting any closer. Yeah, but now like everything. that is yeah, like, it's I guess, after the headache that you yeah, realise that yeah, that was actually yeah, yeah. a lot of fun to do and you've learned something from I, it. I described someone yeah. like doing a marathon, like the last six miles of exactly. marathon are hard, yeah. but then when you finish, you're like, oh, it's amazing. Because like, when you're in it, you're just like, this is the worst thing ever. I hate it. And I hate being in the headache. I find it, re- like, find it really difficult. But yeah. you just keep going. It's the keep yeah. going that you know when you can get through it. Well, it's like understanding that creative process that, it's got to get really bad. You've got to smash everything to the floor in sheer rage and then build it all back up again. And it's better the next time you do it. But yeah. you know, like you've just, it, I don't know. It's, 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 it's that creative process, which is just, I find, yeah, I find when things go well, it's an amazing feeling. It's yeah. like sometimes like, um, when I presented my third year work, like yeah. it was the first time in three years, like, due to like some weird timing thing like everyone's tutorials stopped mine overran into lunch and I had a load of cool stuff I wanted to show and people came over so I ended up having like 30 people sat behind my tutors there's three tutors and then like loads of my colleagues and other people from other units came over and I presented my work and they were like at the end wow you'd like I can tell you're incredible that's a fantastic project and that's like one of the best feelings after after mm-hmm. like running into a wall so many times <laughs> to suddenly be like oh <laughs> woo and then so like those kind of highs are so addictive and it's like sometimes like you must have the same when you're they especially, are especially at uni you've got your headphones in you're listening to music you're, you're doing work and you've done like 10 hours of work and it's just kind of you just zoned out that's why I, that's why i asked you earlier what's your most productive time because yeah, mine yeah. still now and i don't think it'll ever change is is not any hour in the day it's probably about yeah, 10 yeah, till yeah. about three o'clock yeah, and yeah. i know that it's that when you start at 10 or some for some reason you've just texted you start to do something and you know that it, well, I know it's the most productive time ever because it's the only time of day yeah. where I don't look at the clock and think, oh Christ, I yeah. get something to eat or something. I look at the clock and it's like, shit, it's three o'clock, I've got to work yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. That, that, like, and, and you look back at how much you get done and you get really into it and really excited yeah. and that's when you start to do loads of bits and everything starts to come together. I know, I totally And then you agree, even yeah. look back at the work that you did the next day and it's, it still stands up, it's still yeah. good. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, that's my favorite time. No, no, but it, I, it doesn't happen. I can't force it. If I start, thinking, oh yeah, I worked till three o'clock yeah. tonight. It'll never happen. I'm just so spectacularly easy, to, easily distracted, and I almost like stupidly surround myself. <laughs> you know, we've well, got those easily, double though, double screens. And yeah, and you've got like your email literally taking up like one eyeball, <laughs> and then like you've got your phone like buzzing all the time, and you're listening to music, and like so I I try and turn off email now and not listen to music, yeah. but again suddenly once i finally realized how to create a little zen bubble for myself <laughs> suddenly people need help like yeah. you're one of the uh, one of three people that understands everything about the project so people are like well what width's that what size is this what material like what what do i do what are we doing for tomorrow we've got a meeting and you're like <laughs> okay right okay right now i can do that okay i'm gonna do that and then you sit down right okay let's go let's do some work okay the phone got gone off and then it's like <clears throat> so yeah i like i really like i used to love at uni you don't understand how like how just 
just the ability to focus on one thing yeah. is so good. <laughs> like I, I like in third, in first, second, third year, you do like structures and services and all sorts of other modules and history of architecture and loads of other things. You know, like dip your toe. Well, in. is it just one building that you? Is it because no, I know you do like you do two or three every year, maybe four well, different it, projects. Hit, right? Oh, can you say like I don't know if it's not, but. Can you say how many buildings you're working on now, or is it just the one that you're working on? I'm, I've only ever worked on one building at a time. But there's people that will work on, mo- or is that just yeah. the lead that yeah. will work? That will kind of work if you on if, a you, few? if you're on a pr- well, yeah, but the project leads will, yeah, definitely. They work on a few yeah, different yeah, one and have yeah. different teams working on. Diff- it's almost like when, like one of the best feelings is you when you have an organized mind to work on a few different buildings, yeah, surely, yeah, and trust in those different. But teams. I would say in the same way that you work on a you know, working on your book and working here and doing other things in your own spare time. And like it, that mindset just scales the lot, the more so you experience get. And it's like, it, um, I was I what last year I was working on Broadgate, designing my mum's library, designing Scroobius Pips recording studio, trying to do a podcast, like, but all at the same time. Oh, but, um, yeah, that's where we're going to record something. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> if you're still listening, that secret, don't tell anyone. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I like I like multitasking, yeah. but at the same time, I just trying to sit down and do work. Do you know, I'm like a plane taking off. It just takes me a couple of hours to get into the zone. Yeah, yeah, Once yeah. I'm there, yeah. but like every now and again, you get grabbed. Sometimes back it can be like, like a rocket, like yeah, come on. So I like I love like especially like I think for me doing. CAD work like just just the way my mind works is like the reason I didn't like revision yeah. is because you can revise all night and under stress it evaporates out your head yeah like I and I just can't but it proves no point what yeah. is that doing an exact it proves no point yeah whereas when you're doing CAD work or graphics work you know you move a tech it's there you design a wall it's there like and the thing that I loved and I, I found quite uh, quite addictive was the way that you can machine repeat geometry you mm-hmm. know like or like say you do a wall and then fan the next one out one degree next and one degree and Mm -hmm. suddenly you have this perfect curve of walls and like (laughs) and structure and like so like i love electricity pylons and stuff like i I love the idea that that's someone that um in the year below me i tutored on well helped uh, i was like i tutored him for one once in mm. his last year on a book that was all about pylons that was kind of yeah. fun but it was funny because he, he like explaining the story of him is almost explaining the story of what you've yeah. through because he he had so much research and so many different like tests of different typefaces and god knows what throughout yeah. it and I was like looking forward to this your first your first layouts are probably your best yeah, yeah, yeah. and he because um, I was with another tutor at the same time tutoring him and he went back to that one thing, stripped it all back, put, started to put everything in, made this beautiful book on pylons. Yeah. It's essentially kind of like a boring, and he even knows it's like, you know, a boring subject, but yeah. made it beautiful. Yeah. We're yeah. saying to him, look, you just got to make this book like a pornographic book on pylons. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ended up doing it and won the New Designer Awards week at the uh, New Designers thing as well. Wicked. Yeah, it's awesome. But I, it's like, I love the way they look and then I love the way they stand out in the in the in the like the landscape. They're such a like an like an aggressively angry. Crazy concept ones. Yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous that one. 
<laughs> I, I tried to enter that competition as well. Did but, you? Uh, the, the reason they like that one is like it was it was very unique. Like yeah. you're not going to see one like a curved one. Yeah. Mine was like a, it had like wind turbines in the middle and you could move the electricity into the power was grid. Was you that was telling me about the ones in Iceland? Yeah, they're like people literally yeah. I walking. I didn't see them. I don't know if they've been built, but they were uh, so evocative. But it's like um, I just, I love... Now I really want to go after your pictures. But I was like, the thing I was trying to say was, um, I find if you're hand drawing, you have to physically draw every single one. Yeah. Whereas you can draw one thing really, really complicated in the yeah. computer and then rip that a hundred times. So like, but then I, like, if you're driving down the motorway, you'll see a street pylon, like a street light, like a T-shaped street light in the middle of a motorway. Yeah. But one of them on their own is totally boring. But when you see a, like 500 of them snaking off into the distance and they're all exactly the same high off the road yeah. and you can see that it's like parallel with the ground. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing to see. And it's like, I'd so like all of <laughs> my... Pretty much like that, that is exactly the same as when if I'd gone off on one and talking about typefaces yeah, to a yeah, mate yeah, in yeah. a pub that's a builder. Yeah. Literally does not give a shit. He's like, yeah, why yeah. are you talking about the letter A and how yeah. beautiful that is, you idiot? So you can imagine why <laughs> at home in the Midlands you just keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Ben? Oh, pylon boy. <laughs> like, whereas here, they're like, you should make a book. You should like present a book on it. Whereas, yeah, back there, it's like, yeah, shut up. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so like it, well, pretty much all of my work has these kind of elements of like repetition and like technical because I guess like a little bit like if you see a concrete box you're like I don't get it, it's a concrete box <laughs> but if you see like a Richard Rogers skyscraper it's like it, one it's just like structurally mind-blowing that someone can build it yeah two it's logical you get it like all the structures on the outside you're like oh it's like oh that's how the structure works and it's huge and it's like yeah. perfectly proportioned like you just get it yeah but then so i i just i quite liked the whole like i'm not majesty of it but the the scale of it is impressive just from a f engineering point of view so a lot of my buildings would be they would use engineering and like you know visible structure and stuff to like impress you i guess yeah whereas i was always be a bit afraid to like just do a very singular block so i would go totally in the other direction which is to be like wow you with like structure and scale and complication and just <laughs> like just like literally hit you with like 50 things and it was only like through kind of you know like refining it that you start like you kind of have to get to that point to then work backwards and strip it out but that's yeah. the only way a simple building works is for you yeah. to go right to the very complicated extreme yeah show that process and then show why you've paired it back like i th i think that's why i failed so many times to do like an elegant building so i was like well there you go it's a box yeah but you've, you've just done a box i'm like yeah no but you, that's a, like a peter zumpther book that's that's a box mine's a box and they're like yeah but he's got an entire book dedicated to that box you've just done like five pages and i was like i don't understand. there's a box is a box what? <laughs> so like it was only after like going the... to the very extreme of one design and that i'm like ah, i get it now yeah. i get it but this is the massimo you know you know massimo vignelli yeah the the quote that he comes uh, i can't I always get it muddled up. It's like left and right, but um, complexity without simplicity and simplicity mm. without... Well, I can't remember which way. It's complexity. I can't remember. It's I get what, what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah. Need to have but one complexity and simplicity yeah, yeah. in the right way around or simplicity and complexity, yeah. yeah. But do you know what's but, funny is I just said, oh, I get it now. Yeah. But then, like, right now I point, think I do, it? but then... I like, I'd like, um, so I go and it. talk Something to it. It can like, be very simple, but yet complex. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 
But imagine the same way that I'm passionate about concrete and angles and like interactive sculptural architecture and like glass and high-tech steel. You talk to anyone in this office and they have a similar passion about some, a totally different aspect of architecture. Yeah. So just when you think you've got it, yeah. they're like, no, no, have you seen this like subterranean architecture? The guy that only uses hay or someone like, uh, I think it's Shigeru Ban, I can't remember how you pronounce his name. He builds everything out of cardboard. So cardboard structure, cardboard churches, cardboard mm-hmm. everything, but uses tensile cardboard as a structural component, like a recyclable what, what cardboard. And you're like, I know nothing again. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, a, I want to do that. Oh, so like, eventually you just give up, like trying to learn everything and just really focus in on the thing that you love. Yeah. Because if you just keep trying to chase the answer to something, you're never going to get there. Yeah. So like, so I kind of, for me, the podcast was the antithesis of that. It wasn't architecture, but then architects write books. They'd like Stuart Blair in office. This is incredible art, like watercolor paintings and stuff. And yeah. he, they're amazing. Like, so like you just, I kind of, I thought there was an answer, you know, like, I'm like my dad's an engineer, granddad's an engineer, there's got to be an answer to something. Yeah. And you're like, it's not, it's, it's all personality. It's just a, like a roaming seascape of personalities. <laughs> and every building is a personality and a snapshot in time of fashion and personalities and budgets and economy. And there's a whole report about how tall buildings, when you get those super tall buildings mm-hmm. is normally a sign that's going to be an economic recession at some point, because if it's cheaper to build, 400 meter tower then like if that's the most if that's how much land is worth that it's that it's like it's financially viable to stick a half a billion pound skyscraper <laughs> like that's how much that tiny plot of land like 50 by 50 meter plot of land in london you can put half a billion pound skyscraper on it <laughs> that maybe there's a little like there's something funny going on in the whole like economic so like people have mapped out economic shifts with skyscrapers and like fashion okay. with like you know, you look at fashion magazines. Yeah. Like, and they're all in buildings. They're all, yeah. sometimes it's cool busted architecture. Sometimes it's timber. Sometimes it's all plain white. So like, yeah. it's so like in fashion's just the same. It all kind of, you just got to like, just do the bit that you love. Focus yeah. on that bit and just keeps like picking away at that bit. And then like it reaps so many rewards. Like I like. Well, that's kind of what I like about what I do is yeah, the, yeah, the raw yeah. materials <clears throat> is, it's almost the reverse of that that what one is kind of the reverse of that. Like you pick your tools. Mm. So you pick like uh, the, the style. Maybe, well, maybe you won't, but like, say for instance, we'll use Massimo Vignelli for an easy one. Mm. Like he, he picked a group of typefaces that he'll always only ever use yeah. because they're well-designed. They're designed by people that are well-respected and they're solid. And then, and then you kind of, you have a very deep understanding of the grid system. Mm. And then you have a good knowledge of paper and printing and yeah. uh, branding and all that kind of thing. So you know your tools and all that kind of thing. And then there's a world, whole wide scope yeah. of different companies that you or different things that you can work with. And it's that, and funnily enough, it's probably one of the only uh, jobs or careers where you can go into somewhere and they'll tell you every single ounce of detail about their company. They'll tell you everything because you need to know it to, to rebrand their company or something yeah. like that. And it's the only, like pretty much the only job that you can do that. You can go into somewhere and be like, right, tell me everything about your company. I want to know everything. Yeah. Because you think, you know, it's like, it's like when you ask me like, what is the Create More? Like what is Create More to you? And it's like, well, let's get right down to the fundamentals of it. Then. You're like, you have to really think about it. And then I went away and I was like, is that what Craymore is? I think it is. You need to hurry up and tell me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think like, well, we're like, we smashed right past the two and a half hour mark. So uh, <laughs> uh, I unless there's anything else you want to ask. I mean. Why do architects only, well, no, why do them hate biros? 
They're just <laughs> shitty little biros, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know. Like I, you like genuinely, if you draw, you draw in pencil, yeah, like a like a lightweight pencil. But if there was construction a construction pe- if, if, if there was a biro on your yeah, desk, shit, but the way, it under my foot. If there was say, if there was a biro on your desk and you had a piece of paper and you had to draw something, would you a yeah. go to the go to the cupboard, which is down, well out of your way? Or use that bar that's on your desk. Okay, honestly, I think it's because uh, one. You wouldn't I, use that bar, would no, you? I You'd ha- go and get a new one. <laughs> I hate the color blue. <laughs> no, but it's black. I want to know it. Okay, is black. Blue. Do you know? What I, do you know what I, part of me thinks it's because you have to because it's such a fine metal point. It <laughs> like it it tracks anything on a table, <laughs> and you get this scraggly little line, and like you have to hold it quite vertically. If you do it on its side, Just it doesn't. It doesn't, piece of paper. It doesn't do really that. write though. So like you get this like jabby little pencil, like a tattoo ink is that, and they like. <laughs> you just have a thin pencil, thin black pen, fat black pen. That's all you need. Or you have a Microsoft Surface and you have the world at your fingertips. <laughs> With a biro button on it. With a biro button. No, no, no. Fucking biro. <laughs> I don't know why biro. Yeah, architects are funny people. It was funny seeing how quick it was like a hot piece of coal when you use that biro on my desk. <laughs> what was this? <laughs> Jesus. I think it's my, my handwriting's particularly bad anyway and a biro really highlights. But you're not the only one here. Mm. I know someone, an architect here that does like a biro. Yeah. And uh, he's on a table full of people that hate biros. Well, having said that, Yiping, who I sit next to, she did, she was, bearing in mind, I've taken a picture of it, it's that good. <laughs> she was bored and just had like a, um, like a pack of multicolored biros and did this amazing face, like just a drawing of a face. And I was like, <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm not worthy. Like it was amazing, <laughs> it was like, it was genuinely a piece of art. And I was like, and you did that with a biro of the love of God <laughs> <laughs> of all the tools to do it with you picked up a bio no <laughs> was there a blue one in there no yeah probably it's pink blue red I don't know if she found that pack of biro she probably bought it and spent hours doing it and traced it like she's probably just like no I just did it an architect floor. bought a biro no I don't think so criminal so. yeah well um yeah that was good <laughs> what, anything all, else all, all an architecture all about yourself yeah there was loads of stuff uh it's quite therapeutic actually talking about yourself isn't it <laughs> It's interesting. I, I literally like. I like. I never really spoken about why, like, why I love the architecture that I do and what you do. Yeah. Well, it's because yeah. I, I like genuinely. I still feel like I'm working that out. <laughs> like every time I think I know what I'm doing, you get like, moved up a position. Yeah. I guess it's like imposter syndrome. But I'm like, because I'm because the thing is like when I worked to my first practice, Bailey Garner, like. I'd, like my boss Marcus was very good. He used to run his own practice, mm. but everyone else was kind of like. It was not like they weren't good. They just weren't passionate. Yeah. They didn't explain anything to me in an exciting way. It was just, why are we doing this? Because we have to, otherwise we get fired. That was basically the premise of their job. <laughs> um, and that was it. I was telling you about setting out. And the guy there, instead of changing the setting out, just deleted the text off the setting out. So instead of saying it's 13 meters from grid to grid, he'd drawn it at 12.88 and just uh, couldn't be bothered to change it. So just deleted the text and wrote 13 meters which meant that when they built the foundation off his drawing, they didn't measure it, they just went off the text. But every other drawing set on top of that actually had dimensions as done automatically by the program. Oh, God. So they built all the walls, and then it got to the foundations at the end, and it was like half a metre too short, that the whole end of the building was. So for six months, I literally just spent six months rearranging social housing flats to fit on... Bearing in mind these flats are already as legally small as you can make them. <laughs> you had to like, the stairwell had to get slightly thinner. Oh, it was just, 
everyone hated it. It was just such a crap project. And I came oh. away going, this is terrible. And then I worked at a company called Holloway Foo. And they're a really small design practice. They had a studio called in the, uh, All in the Detail, like a furniture arm. So like how this, long have you finished uni? Uh, how long are you out of uni now for that? Well, I finished my part two like five years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, and You've they were make about a year. I've been a mate for like I thought, six, yeah, no, six ages, years in August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then so wait, you what? How, sorry, how long ago did you finish? Uh, so I finished like almost uni. six years. So six years in August, I'll have been at Make and finished uni. I literally finished uh, in June and came to Make in August. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, and uh, but coming here. Like the Holloway Foo one, this guy was like a dad and he ran his own practice. There was two of them in there and me. Yeah. And they were like amazing. They were so fast at everything, but they, they were headphones in, get that work done. They yeah. didn't have time to chat because they were running and they were like, he'd spend as much time getting money off clients as like just chasing them as doing design. Like he was on it from the second he got into the second <laughs> level. There was no time to faff around and talk. <laughs> and then at Make, everyone's so passionate. Yeah. So like even if you're working on something you don't particularly believe like is that interesting when you understand like the guys who are building it, what they need on site, like yeah. how much money, how much complication, how much time in time out it's going to take, like all well, the knock on effects, all these other things it, you know, you can't help, but kind of like, there are obviously ridiculously boring things you have to do on the project, but like anything amazing, there's going to be peaks and troughs on it as well. So like, but you know, like for example, on Broadgate, like I was doing the basement like babysitting the basement basically like the design was given to me and I had to just see it through to construction oh and it was amazing to see it all being built but I like I didn't feel I, I didn't design it I like yeah. like looked after it whereas the roof I designed yeah and the roof was like my baby then but like being on site's hard in a basement right you're in a yeah. basement every day with builders and contractors like you come here and it says we've got like a, a reception reception introduction like the receptionists <laughs> take your coat they look after you get tea coffee you go on site and like they hate you. <laughs> You're an architect. They hate you. Yeah. But what was amazing, so like, as I said, peaks and troughs, like, but I could walk up. So at night, uh, I brought my best friend, uh, one of my best friends down from Liverpool and he, he'd not been around these buildings before. So I got my hard hat, high vis on and like at night we yeah, climbed all on. the way. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, climbed all the way to the top of the building and then they had the scaffolding around the cooling towers, which are another 13 meters up. And I, he was like, you sure this is safe? And I'm like, I'm an architect. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and we went all the way to the top of the cooling tower, just me and him. And we had this like, bat, I say Batman moment. Like we're the only two people within a hundred meter radius, but literally beneath us, like a hundred meters away or whatever, there's like thousands of people, like Liverpool Street Station. You can see the trains coming in, coming out. You can see like the gas, like the steam coming off all the cooling towers. Like you have the most incredible view over London. And we were the only people like, for like a hundred meters in every direction. But like you could see everything. And I was like, yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. And then you go back down and you get yelled at by contractors again. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Well. But I suppose what you've got to remember is that those people that are looking at you like, oh, flipping architect, is that for them to redo... Like for you yeah, to redo yeah, something yeah. on oh, a drawing yeah, yeah. is like, oh yeah, put that there, put that there, but it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. And I know it's more than that, but working on site... Yeah. Once an, if an architect changes something, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like days, it can be days worth of work to change something. Even like for what I was doing was small scale. Yeah. Like if you're working on price or like even if it's even if it's just day rate as well, mm. it's because it was weird. I had to 
when I went to university, I had to quickly drum out the idea of what I learned at, um, at plumbing is to mm. do one thing once like and, and do it well. Yeah. So you'd never have to do it again. Yeah. And in my first and bit of second year as graphic design, I would be constantly just being like, I'll do it once and do it well. And that's yeah. it. I don't have yeah. to touch it yeah. again. But with graphic design, you have to do it a million yeah. times. And you lose total focus on what the hell's going on. Yeah, you know. But to relearn, to learn that, uh, that craft in and and like as um and to be comfortable with that is yeah. a hard thing to break when you used to be so used to doing that but yeah like you say like with all those people but it's <laughs> I, it's, it comes down to personality again like i find that my, the thing i struggle with is making a decision because mm. like in the back of my head what would my boss do like he, oh he'd do this what would my old yeah. boss rob who like was the most incredible mentor to me here like what would he do i oh, he'd do that but you know what? i find them decisions easier to make for my own stuff like yeah, what yeah, stuff yeah. here because they've got people to answer to i find those decisions harder to make but if it's mm. my own stuff i can cut like i find it easier to have i've got so much freedom then that i know that i have to make that i have to come up with the yeah. decisions to give them to the person that's paying and for some reason I've, i find it easier to answer those questions but when i've got like someone about, like other people to work with even though i love what i prefer working with people yeah. i for some reason then fall on sometimes like for them to answer the question a little bit yeah do you know no no I mean? no that's, uh, that's yeah. what i'm saying that's exactly yeah. how i feel here yeah. as well it's like um uh but you know if you're so working what they do huh? yeah yeah well exactly but then as well like i yeah i kind of think whilst you know as an architect you want full control over everything mm -hmm. like i am only in the position i am because of make and because of Ken, like yeah. to, to think that I have any right to design a skyscraper <laughs> over like over anyone else. Like, I think that's one of the, the hard things to get for people to get their head around is that, you know, is, is make you're like a swirling mass of design. Right. So mm -hmm. like, it, like I don't think any one person like, well, you know, Ken does a huge amount of the sketching and the conceptual stuff at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, I think everyone has their own little, like you have to kind of uh, like say that everyone built it together right you yeah. know like yeah so i mean so you don't really get that kind of sense of personal that was me that was definitely me <laughs> everyone feels a little bit like no i worked on that planning when it was like five years old no where's well, not you yeah like yeah. i know i i moved that line to that position like five years ago <laughs> you just you just built it and like everyone has their own little like uh their own little bit of like um their like right of the building which yeah. is why the podcast is just my own thing. Yeah. I felt like, you know, that's kind of hundred percent mine as yeah. in, in the idea and the way it's gone so far. And that's been incredibly satisfying. So now yeah. I feel comfortable that, that I want it to grow and like, you know, yeah. like to do more stuff with it. Yeah. Cause I feel like I've kind of proved myself now. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's led on to that's like, again, I thought I'd find an answer in it and I have, yeah. but it's opened 10 more doors and I'm like, well, now I want to go through every one of those doors again. <laughs> so it's like, if I just like, sometimes whenever I, you know, question, is this the right thing to do? I'm like, well, would it interest me? Yeah. Well then, yeah, do it. Yeah. 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 Like that was it. Like, uh, Scrooby's fifth interview, this Ed Scrine, who's like, uh, the bad guy in, uh, Deadpool. And his mantra's like, fuck it, why not? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, brilliant. Yeah. Fuck it, why not? Yeah. Like, and I was like, yeah, do you know what? Like if you, if you just like, you know, give it a hundred percent, which I now know. Yeah. But the before it was like, eh, maybe I will. No, I'm gonna do it. No, 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 no. Whereas now it's like, I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. But yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, uh, it's good. 
How long is it? That's, uh, it's been two hours 46. And on that, thank you very much, Sam. No problem at all. Thank you. <laughs> Longest one so far. <laughs> well, I'm going to mix it up. We've got, uh, I've got the one I'm releasing tonight with my mum. Nice. So uh, that's literally an hour. Bang on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, there you go. That was long, wasn't it? But thank you so much for listening. Um, <clears throat> I, yeah, I've kind of listened back to that two or three times. That sounds really vain, but um, it's 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 very weird listening to yourself talk about yourself. Uh, and it's like at the beginning, I'm very aware of it, and then within five minutes, I'm genuinely listening because I've kind of forgotten, you know, all the details that I talked about. And, uh, you know, it's been like two or three weeks since we recorded it. So to kind of go back and listen to it was uh, was really good fun. I mean, I, I genuinely, if you get the opportunity to record, it gets someone, I know it sounds weird, but like it, or me, come on the podcast. Uh, but to really talk about, you know, what you're passionate about. And um, I, I guess it's very weird putting myself out there and just being totally honest about all my massive failures, along with the successes. I hope it was an even split. <laughs> feels like in life it's been an even split. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's 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 been really good. Um, I, I really hope you enjoyed it, and it's kind of renewed my enthusiasm for architecture in a very weird way. Like I realise it's it's one of the very few professions that holds my attention span. I think you can tell by the direction the podcast takes and the people that are on it. I just want to find out loads about everything, and uh, you know, I. I I always question like, is architecture the right thing for me? Like, what? How? How do you know? Like, it's so. Maybe by the time this comes out, there'll be a public consultation on the skyscraper and working on London. And if it does go ahead, it might be another five years of my life. Um, I'm incredibly proud of that project. But it's it's like five years, though, on one project. And it's hard. It's incredibly hard and complicated. And it's, yeah, so I'm constantly kind of picking away, is this the right industry for me? Is this the right thing? You know, there's things that I love about architects, things that drive me mental. Um so this podcast gives me the opportunity, but like, it's really funny listening back to the things that I really liked in part one, uh, doing my part one to the things that I like now haven't changed. And the architecture profession seems to be one of the few professions that no matter how much I pick away at it, there's always more stuff to find out. And I think it's because it's an industry based on personalities and I, I think I find that fascinating enough to dedicate my entire life to it. There's other, I feel like, uh, things like virtual reality and app design and all those types of things, <clears throat> I love. I absolutely love that idea of that constant changing environment. But at the same time, will that industry exist in 10 years' time? Will you constantly have to move through industries? Whereas architecture really does feel like it stands the test of time in that respect. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening. And over the next two or three months, has this a little sneak peek? I may have got the contact, may have got the contact for an astronaut how good would that be uh so yeah uh i really and i have a movie poster designer i have a comedy uh comedian uh, uh he's also a cage fighter amazing i may get another famous person on who you will have heard in series one um so yeah subscribe and support it and put a review on I- uh, itunes if you've enjoyed it and thank you so much for listening Bye bye <laughs>